Good evening, everyone. Friends, um, the, our first reading uh, with Elijah, just a little bit. Um, our readings have, uh, our first reading in our gospel have uh, lessons to teach us, but uh, some background quickly because we're, the piece in our lectionary isn't giving it to you. Um, Elijah uh, is a prophet of God, very strong, very powerful in God. Um, and he's also mean-spirited uh, for being a prophet. Can you imagine that happening? <laughs> and um, he's not very happy with the people, uh, but he's just won a battle in God, through God's grace, against the pagan priest. And the queen uh, is going, has ordered his death, and that's why he's running and hiding. He ran to the mountain. Uh, so uh, here we have a snapshot of what's going on that leads up into the scripture here. And um, our second reading, St. Paul is telling us about the sorrow and anguish he suffers because his fellow Jews, remember Paul's Jewish, um, refused to accept Christ as the Messiah. They would not believe. And uh, he's struggling with that unbelief. As I said, our first reading and our gospel account speaks about experiencing God the Lord in, a, in different ways, and particularly in the where and the when, um, places of encounter. And, uh, and um, sometimes we'll hear, and I know you hear this, but people will say, um, you know what, I don't have to go to church uh, to find God. And um, I want to be very careful how I say this. Um, there is an element of truth in what they say. Um, because one can encounter God anywhere. And I firmly believe what St. Aquinas has stated in his book. He said that God sustains the universe and he keeps it going every single day. And Aquinas will go on to say it is as spectacular as, I mean, when he, what he's doing, keeping it going. He's saying God is the one keeping everything going and that is as, as spectacular as when he first made everything. And I'm like, good for you, Aquinas. And he's a brilliant man. And, uh, but when you take a look at that statement that the saint has said, it brings God very close to us and implies that God enables every one of our breaths, then, and every beat of our heart. The implication, then, is that he is always present, always around, right? It stands to reason then, and also is rather accurate to say, um, if you have not encountered God or the Lord outside the church, you will not find him inside of it either. <laughs> right? I've just given you a lengthy explanation because I want to be very careful how I phrase this so people don't misunderstand. Oh, Father Mark said we don't have to go to Matt. Oh, no, no, that's not what Father Mark said. <laughs> and I say this not because God is not present in a church, but simply because uh, when you don't want to encounter God, you will not encounter God no matter where he's at. Not here, not on Mount Rainier, not anywhere. And the fact of the matter is, is people uh, don't come to church to find our Lord. They actually come to church to bring their praise to him. They come to church to complain to him. <laughs> That's okay. They come, what I'm getting at is they come to church to pray. They haven't come 
to find him, they know him already. And they're, they come to his house to talk to him. <laughs> if one does not encounter God in the everyday everything of one's life, uh, they will not find the Lord in a church building either. As it has been said, you cannot be a non-believer in your daily life and then all of a sudden become a believer when you walk through the doors of a church. Don't work. If you're not open to God's presence, you're just not open to God's presence anywhere. The first reading, however, talks to us about the prophet Elijah, and he is also trying to encounter God um, during a great challenge, as I kind of built it up. I told you what was happening with him. The prophet, through God's power, has defeated the pagan priests of the queen, and she wants him dead. He runs to Mount Horeb uh, to hide and to wait for God. And my friends, what you have to remember is that um, Mount Horeb is the mountain that Moses encountered God on. And how did Moses encounter God? Burning bush. Remember, if you remember the story, the lightning. Are you getting the picture? The clouds, the thunder, the lightning, the burning bush, all these Unusual things. Here comes the next prophet. He is there at that same mountain. He looks for God's presence in the unusual and the extraordinary, such as fire, such as lightning, strong winds, and all the manifestations that he read about that Moses experienced God on that very same land. However, God does not appear to him that way. Instead, God appears to him, uh, and there's a nuance in the Greek, in the very air, we're told in the breeze, in a breeze, the subtle breeze, but in the Greek it's in the very air. That has a whole, that means a whole different thing, really, when you think about it. God is in the air that was all around the prophet. Everything he was breathing in and breathing out. And so often we tend to look for God's presence only in the unusual and the extraordinary and not in the ordinary, not in the everyday everything. We have to come to understand that our Lord um, is a constant and sure part of our life all the time, just as the air is. And um, our gospel, for me, is funny because it, uh, it's almost the opposite of what is happening in the first reading. Uh, what Elijah wanted and expected from God, I want this and I expect it. Moses got it. He did not get. But the disciples did. <laughs> and it's, to me it's funny because the result is almost the same. In our gospel story, God reveals himself in the unusual, in the extraordinary, in the storm. And the disciples don't recognize him. Why were they not able to recognize the Lord? Do you remember what led up to that we're told? Jesus just got done feeding the 5,000 plus the men and the women. They just... 
we're talking a few hours. <laughs> he did that in the afternoon, and now it's evening. They didn't recognize him. Perhaps the reason that they were not able to recognize God in the midst of the storm is because they had not learned to recognize God in the midst of their everyday going on. Think about it. Jesus was walking with them, talking with them, eating with them, sleeping on the hay right next to them. They didn't recognize. More than that, they had the same expectation that Elijah, God will do that, God will be like this, and this is what he will do. And the apostles were the same way. This is how the Messiah is going to be. He's going to be a king, and he's going to kick the Romans' butts. <laughs> that, I know, that's kind of crude from the ambo, but that's what they melt. You see, their expectation, their demands, their conditions. And because of that, they could not recognize. The scriptures for today's Mesh show our Lord is present in the ordinary and in the extraordinary, in the silence and in the storms. In other words, all the time and in every place. If this is true, and it is, perhaps the reason one does not encounter our Lord, um, does not find him, because we prevent it from happening. Could we conclude then that we must make room for God, so that he can be present in our lives. This cannot happen without some letting go of some things. We will have to make more room for God. We will have to make more time for God. And that will mean, automatically, for people who study logic, less time and less room for something else. And here's the problem. What do you mean? I couldn't possibly pray more. I got to binge Netflix. People laugh because there's an element of truth in it. Many folks want to experience God on their own terms, according to their own conditions, and it doesn't work that way. God told Elijah, and I'm going to paraphrase, if you will only let go of your desire to see me in fire, earthquakes, and storms, then you will be ready to meet me on my terms. Elijah did that, and the result was very powerful and life-altering for him. The disciples in the gospel account given today had not learned Elijah's lesson. They were still holding on to their own expectations of God. They wanted God, a God of their own design, who would meet them on their terms and their conditions. And so they failed to recognize Jesus, the Lord, walking on water. As a matter of fact, they think it's a ghost. Now, there's another reason why they thought that, but that's a totally different homily, and it'll kind of shake the foundation of my homily that I'm giving you now. <laughs> so I'm not going to bring it up. We'll wait three years. I'll give it to you in three years, because the cycles are three years. 
But my friends, eventually the disciples would let go of their expectations and conditions about God. And when they did, they too experienced the power and grace of God, which was life-altering for them and changed the course of the world. We, the disciples today, will have to do the same if we want to have that life-altering experience of God. Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. To Peter, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And he says before he leaves, I am with you always. And he always speaks the truth. And everything he says is in fact. So he is in the very air that we breathe. But this is his house. And it's good for you to come here with everything. Your complaints, not to the pastor. <laughs> Give it to God. <laughs> with your praise, with your glory, with your concerns, with your anxieties, with your love. Bring it all and put it at the foot of his altar as disciples and prophets and holy men and women of the past have done and expect, expect the unexpected from him. Amen.